sometimes when uh, we're here in the midst of worship, God gives encouraging words. You heard some of them. We may hear some, some more later. But sometimes I feel like God gives to me some encouraging words. And when we think about uh, prophetic words, um, we got to test them. Um, God tells us not to despise the prophetic word, but to test each one and to hold fast to that. So I have a specific word for someone um, this morning. Uh, he's going to be very shocked, I think. It's the man, Nathan, right next to you. I don't know, yeah, the one who just looked at Nathan. Would you mind standing up? I don't want to embarrass you, but I, I do feel like, what's your name? Gihan. I, I think that we have met before. Um, I looked over at you during worship, and I saw you standing in a shadow. That's not a bad thing. I, I saw you standing in a shadow, and there was this huge um, light before you. And uh, for some strange reason, it, it brought to my mind a football player from the 60s named Gail Sayers. And one of the things Gail Sayers said, he was an amazing running back. He said, I run to the light. So when he was going through the defense, he just said, I look for the little bit of light and I run towards it. And I've, I felt like maybe the Lord was saying to you, Gahan, um, you might be standing in a little bit of darkness right now, but there's light before you and the Lord would encourage you to run towards it. Just run towards the light. Does, does that make any sense to you in your life right now? Okay. Can, can we pray for you? Okay. Why don't you guys stand and just put your arms out to Gahan? God, we thank you that um, wherever we are, you invite us into something new. And so we ask in the name of Jesus for Gahan, that as he sees that little bit of light, that you would give him grace and faith and courage to run towards it. And I ask that you would open the way through the opposition of the enemy for him, that he would uh, see the final destination and run for it with... Um, joy, and courage. In Jesus' name, amen. Great, thank you. Okay, two little um, housekeeping things. It's not as hot as it was last week, but it's still hot. <laughs> uh, we hope that there will just be one more week of uh, no air conditioning. By the time the fall really comes and we're all cold, we'll have air conditioning again. <laughs> um, uh, another thing is, I just want to encourage you, um, you've probably read it in the emails, or you've seen it on social media or on the posters. We've got a prayer conference coming up in two weeks, September 29 and 30. We call it Everyone Gets to Pray. And um, we'll have people from many churches and a couple of states that will come in here and um, seek God, worship, prophetic rooms, teaching, lots of opportunity to press into God in prayer to learn and to be challenged to the next level to encounter God's love and power and give it away. So um, in the email and on the website under uh, events and on the poster, you'll see a little uh, QR code and you can do something fancy with that with your phone uh, or just uh, click the link and register for that. Okay. Um, I'm going to do sort of a mini-series in the next two weeks, uh, just two weeks on two parables from Matthew 18 and 20. I'm calling this mini-series, It's Not Fair. If you've ever been a child or seen a child, you've probably heard this. It's not fair, right? Um, 
I think we have the opportunity to look in two parables and see how the kingdom of God is not fair and how that's a really good thing. So the first parable we'll talk about this morning is about giving what you don't think you should give. That's forgiveness. And next week we'll talk about not getting what you think you should. That's grace. Um, These two parables both start with the kingdom of God is like... So if you're unfamiliar with the parables or if you've read the parables in the Gospels and thought, this doesn't make any sense to me at all, little understanding about parables. A parable does not necessarily describe real life. It's a story that Jesus gives to make a striking point. When we look at the parables, we can't necessarily look at one person and say, oh, that's God. That will get us in a little bit of trouble. Sometimes God shows up in the parables But often the parables are just a way for Jesus to communicate to real people what the kingdom of God looks like and how it works in the world. Um, This morning we'll talk about forgiving what you don't believe you should forgive. Has anyone here ever been offended? This is a show of hands. Some of us are amazing. We've walked through life without any offense. Most of us probably have been offended. Forgiving what you don't think you should forgive um, sort of helps us understand the kingdom of God is not fair. The kingdom is grace, the kingdom is love, but it's not fair. The kingdom of God is just and it's gracious, it's radical, but it's not necessarily logical or natural. The kingdom of God is supernatural. It it brings us into a realm that doesn't really make sense to us. The kingdom of God is not fair as we understand fairness. And some of you will understand, and hopefully by the end we'll all understand, praise God, the kingdom of God is not fair. Because if we all got what we deserved, this would not be a good thing. So I'd ask you to stand with me as we read from Matthew 18. It'll be on the screens. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If you've got a Bible or a device, open it up, and we'll listen to what God wants to say to us this morning. Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it. He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. 
he had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he'd forgiven, and he said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you? And then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he'd paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Sheesh. We better pray. God, um, this scripture, this parable from uh, the heart and the mouth of Jesus, it's not easy. So we ask God, by the Holy Spirit, would you give us understanding? Apply this word to our hearts so we can walk out into the world like Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. I think the point's clear from the parable, actually, though I'll spend 25 more minutes talking about it. Why are you laughing, Steve? <laughs> God's given us grace and forgiveness that we don't deserve and we could never earn. And God commands and empowers us to give away grace and forgiveness to others who sin against us. Anyone who offends us or hurts us, period. God's forgiven us, we're called, commanded, and empowered to forgive, period. God gives us what we don't deserve. That's not fair. And God calls us to give away forgiveness to others that we don't feel deserve it. That's also not fair. How often are we supposed to forgive? Anybody? Yeah. Equals always. What Jesus is saying is always, every time. The greatly forgiven must greatly forgive. The greatly forgiven, that's us must greatly forgive. And so then the parable underlines the principle. So I'll take a couple of minutes and just work through a couple of sections and then I'm going to try to be real practical and talk about steps to forgiveness. Because if we agree with God that we're called to it, then we've got to know how to do it. And it's not that easy. So the parable shows we've received lavish grace and forgiveness. The forgiveness God's given to us, it's scandalous, right? What we've done, who we are, compared to a holy God, that he would forgive us because of Jesus, it's scandalous. It's scary. Grace can be scary. Um, you know, uh, Peter says to Jesus, how many times should we forgive? Like seven? So the, um, the rabbis of the Old Testament um, said that we should forgive someone three times. That's from a text in Amos. I won't go into that. So Peter probably thought, I'm a dude. So Jesus, how many, should we, how many times should we forgive? Like seven? This is an unbelievable number. And then Jesus says, yeah, that's a good one. No. <laughs> 70 times seven. In other words, forever. Every single time. The unpayable amount was, uh, was forgiven because of compassion. 
indicating, giving us an example of the compassion of God who forgives us an unforgivable amount. And this is what happens in the kingdom. God's forgiven us. He's forgiven us an unpayable debt of sin. Jesus gave his life so that we could have life that we never deserved and could never pay for. And when we grasp that, this is my hope, this is my exhortation, and I promise I'm preaching to myself. When we grasp that forgiveness, it opens up in us this love and affection for Jesus that causes us to want to be like him and go out into the world and forgive in radical ways. Second thought, as a result, we have no right to withhold forgiveness from others who sin against us. Some of us, I would say you, but I'll say us, feel like that's, that's crazy. I have every right to withhold forgiveness from someone who has wounded me so terribly. And I'm just telling you what the scripture says. We have no right to withhold forgiveness from those who have sinned against us. The grace of God is scandalous. If It would be equally scandalous if we were to withhold that grace and forgiveness from others. In the parable, you know, the second... Um, the second debt is not like the first debt. It's much less, but it's not insignificant. If the first debt is, you know, completely radically unpayable, millions and billions of dollars, the second debt is like 100 days of wages. That's still hard, right? Who wants to pay 100 days of wages? No. But the, um, the forgiven refuses to forgive. And so the servants, it says in the, in the New Living Translation, they were very upset. Um, I have read some things, maybe a better, a better translation is they were outraged because they saw what had been done and then what was done. We the forgiven must forgive. Thirdly, this is maybe the hardest part to understand in this particular parable. If we refuse to forgive there are consequences. You can't get out. I mean, I could have skipped, skipped that last verse. That would have been much more fun. But we don't get to do that in the Bible. If we refuse to forgive, there are consequences. I'll read it again. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. The last line indicates the condition that this man already lives in. He remains a slave to his world of fairness and retribution. So he lives in this world of, you owe me, you pay, or else. Even though he'd just gone to the king and said, hey, I owe you, but please, oh, please, oh, please. And then he's forgiven. If the first man demands fairness, you know, the, the servant with a smaller debt to be paid under the threat of punish, punishment, he will get fairness, and it will cost him. I think the parable is underlying this, underlining this principle. Unforgiveness has a cost. And I think we need to hear it. Unforgiveness has a cost. So the principles and the commands of the Bible, Matthew 6, 12, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Colossians 3, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, 
hanging on the cross. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. So let's get practical. What is forgiveness? And we want to talk about what forgiveness is and what it's not. Forgiveness is the action of the Holy Spirit through the believer that recognizes that the death of Christ is the payment for all sin. The death of Christ on the cross is the payment for all sin. Our sin and the sins against us. Forgiveness is giving up your right to pay back in kind. It's giving up our right to hurt back when we've been hurt. It doesn't take away the evil that's done against us. It doesn't deny what's been done against us. It doesn't take away the consequences that might be appropriate for the person who sinned against us. Do you hear that? Forgiveness doesn't mean it's all fine, it's okay, no problem. It's more about you than it is about them. But it releases them from their emotional debt to you. Now, some of you are just like, I'm ticked off and I want to leave. I mean, this isn't an easy topic. It's not an easy command. It's just so thorough and so clear from the scriptures. Forgiveness is an act and it's also a process. Your feelings might not be immediate when you forgive someone. And understand, we're talking about huge offense and we're talking about little offense because we all deal with both. All of us have some big offense in our life and we're working through forgiveness or we can't forgive. And then we've got those little things that happen every year, month, week, day, hour, minute. Those things that just get us and we want to hold on to them. I read this definition. Forgiveness is letting go of the hope that the past can be changed. Do you, you feel that sometimes? Like, God, I just wanted to have been different. We don't get to do that. Forgiveness is letting go of the hope that the past can be changed. Doesn't say redeemed. It can be redeemed, but not changed. Forgiveness is not weakness. It's perhaps the most powerful thing we can do. It doesn't show that we're weak and we just give in to pain or whoever's torturing us or hurting us. It's, it's a powerful act. The same way that Jesus on the cross forgiving us was a powerful act. It breaks the hold that sin and evil have on our lives. It's refusing to forgive allows evil to continue to hurt us. Does that make sense? When you don't forgive, that person gets to hurt you over and over again in your mind. And I'm sorry this is hard for all of us, but you let them do it because you hold on. Forgiveness is not based on the repentance of the offender, but on the cross of Jesus. Now, there's some controversy about this, but I believe it strongly. Forgiveness doesn't depend on the person coming and saying, I am so sorry, please forgive me. Jesus didn't do that. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's more about the cross of Jesus and the payment for sin than it is about their like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I had no idea. 
It's not so much about the person who hurt you being sorry. It's about us choosing to forgive on the basis of Jesus' death and his payment for sin. It's about trusting God to care for us and to heal us and not demanding the payment from another to make it up. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting. You know, you've heard forgive and forget. I don't think that really works. I don't know that we can necessarily forget, but we can forgive. Forgiveness does not require us to open ourselves to the offender to be hurt again. So some of you are saying, I was terribly abused. You want me to forgive that person? You want me to open my life back up to them to be hurt again and again? That's not forgiveness. There's a difference between forgiveness and restoration of relationship. Forgiveness is based on the cross of Jesus, and we choose to give it because of what God has done for us. Restoration of relationship requires a little bit of consideration. It's a gift that we give to the offender. Trust needs to be reestablished. Hear this, boundaries are healthy. So I'm not going into it, but some of us have been abused, horribly offended. I'm not saying you forgive and rush right back in and say, we're going to be best pals again. I don't think that's what the parable is teaching us. So why would we forgive? What would motivate us to forgive? Number one, because God tells us to. It's just obedience. Doesn't make sense. It's not natural, but it's just obedience. It's what God tells us to do, to forgive. Forgiveness sets us free to move on with our lives. It refuses to allow the offender to have more power in our lives. That's why forgiveness is more for us than for them. We're saying, you don't get to have any more power over my life. I'm going to forgive you. Hardy, har, har, har. You don't get to do it anymore because God's bigger than what you did to me. When we forgive, we release the past and we enter into an open future. When we can't forgive or choose not to forgive, we stay bound in the past. Forgiveness is freedom from the past and for the future. Forgiveness is freedom from the past and for the future. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying the, the consequences that you feel from that sin that somebody sinned against you. I'm not saying it just goes away like that. But we release our hold on the past so God can take us into the future with freedom. Forgiveness keeps us from becoming bitter. And if we're bitter, guess what? All the people we love receive our bitterness. So forgiveness is not just good for us. It's not just commanded. It is love to the people around us. We forgive, and so that bitterness won't uh, seep into other people that we love. And some of you are thinking right now, yeah, but you don't know. You don't know what happened to me. And that's absolutely true. I have no idea. But God does. And God still commands and empowers you to forgive. He knows what was done to you. Here's the reality. Unforgiveness hurts us more than the person who offended us. Philip Yancey says, the only thing harder than forgiveness is the alternative. The only thing harder than uh, choosing to release someone from their debt 
is holding on to it and paying over and over and over for what they did to you. This also applies to our own relationship with ourselves, right? There are probably a few people in here who have trouble forgiving themselves for what they themselves have done. And I just ask you this morning, are you willing to agree with God's assessment? You're forgiven. If we don't forgive ourselves, it's kind of like we put ourselves above God. God's forgiven us, but we can't do it. Uh, Not a good idea. Proverbs 17.9 says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven. You know what that means? The opposite is also true. Yeah. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. The converse of that hits us too. Love suffers. Love fails to thrive when offense or unforgiveness is present. Love thrives when we forgive. Love suffers when we don't. All right. We got four minutes. Let's get practical. Um, We'll go longer than four minutes. All of these notes will be on the website, so if you want to work through this, I don't assume you can take notes on all this. You might not even agree with it all, but all the notes are on the website, so you can look through it and examine for yourselves what the Scripture says about the command to forgive. So I got five steps. I'm not saying five steps and you're free and you'll never have another trouble in your life, but here are some of the elements of forgiveness for our lives. Number one, acknowledge the hurt and what it cost. It does us no good to deny or pretend something didn't happen. You know, I just choose not to deal with that. I forget about it. It has no power over me. Until you forgive, it has power over you. Until we forgive, it has power over us. We can't pretend or deny that didn't happen. It's no big deal. It's a big deal until you forgive it. Write it down, journal it, ask God for grace to bear it and to forgive it. So acknowledge the hurt. Number two, identify your emotions. When you're hurt and wounded and angry because someone has hurt you, those are not sinful emotions. That's not sin. That's real. I'm hurt. I feel angry. I'm hurt. I feel sad. I'm hurt. I feel, you know, emotionally thwarted. Identify how the offense made you feel. Write it down. Here's what I felt. Here's what I'm feeling now. Process it with another safe person. Now, hear this. Process it lovingly with another safe person without gossip. Because many of us know what it's like to... Well, I've got to process this with you, so I'm going to tell you how bad and horrible this person is. That's gossip and slander. But we can go to someone, uh, a, a small group leader, a trusted friend, a parent, a pastor, someone and say, I've been hurt. This is what happened. I don't know what to do. I know I'm commanded to forgive. It's really hard. Will you help me? Will you pray for me? Number three, set boundaries. Decide what boundaries are appropriate between you and the offender and do it without payback. Set the boundaries without trying to wound the other person back for what they've done to you. That might be the hardest thing I said so far. Set boundaries. You hurt me and I won't let you hurt me again. 
without trying to pay them back. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's not our job to make them pay. You can be polite without being their best friend. You can even take advice from a person who hurt you without heeding it. Spend as little time as possible with people who continually hurt or abuse you without any cognizance of what it costs you. It's okay to separate from the person who's abusing or hurting you. Get away. Spend as little time with that person who has no regard for for the impact of what they do to you. You don't need their approval to live a fulfilling life. You need one person's approval. It's God, and you have it in Jesus. Ephesians 1.6, you are accepted in the beloved. As someone very close to me often says, the most important opinion of me is God's opinion of me. Number four, cancel the debt. Write the blank check of forgiveness. Record the day when you chose to forgive that person. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love keeps no record of wrongs. You'll know you've forgiven the person when you can say from your heart, they owe me nothing. You know you've really forgiven some, someone when you can say from your heart, I'm not saying necessarily to them, but in your heart before God, they owe me nothing. The debt is canceled. No payment required. Offense is gone. And I walk free. Number five, remember to forget. That seems a little odd. <laughs> you may never forget a wound against you. The command is not to forget. The command is to forgive. You may never forget, but you can remember that you forgave. And uh, be honest, you know, there are a couple of people in my, my life that I feel like have offended me fairly greatly, pretty difficult, and I think I've forgiven them, and then something will happen. I think this, uh, the counselors call it a trigger. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I'm back again. You know, they owe me, and if only they would, oh, you know, all that. I don't know that I can forget, but I can remember that I forgave. And so when those negative thoughts and emotions come in, I want to get them, God kill them, you know. Maybe I'm the only one that prays that. (laughs) Or just hurt them very badly. You can remember, no, I, I forgave them. And so those thoughts and emotions come in, Be aware of them, but 2 Corinthians 10 tells us, you know, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus. Jesus forgave. He commands us to forgive. We can take that hurt and that pain and say, Jesus, I feel it again, but that thought is not going to run my life. That memory is not going to run my life. Forgiveness, grace is going to run my life. This might mean that you choose to forgive again and again. Here's what the enemy loves to do. He'll bring something up and he'll say, you haven't really forgiven. And here's what you get to say. I did and I'll do it again. I forgave them 42 times. I'll forgive them 43. You're not at 490 yet. And when you get to 490, remember the parable says that's actually a fake number. It means all the time, every time, always. 
Some people will say time heals all wounds. This is a lie. Forgiveness heals wounds. Time doesn't heal wounds. Time makes scars. But time doesn't heal wounds. Martin Luther King Jr. said, forgiveness is not an occasional act. This is a guy who would know. Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It's a constant attitude. Forgiveness is an intentional act. It won't happen magically. I don't think we can wait around till we're in the mood or God gives the grace to forgive. I think the command is when you feel the hurt, that's when you forgive. Not when it goes away or you feel like you're in a special moment of grace. Pray for grace to bear it and forgive it. But we can't wait around for that. We're, we're called to act sometimes in spite of emotion. Again, it's not natural. It's supernatural. And we absolutely need God to do it. I don't mean God does it. I mean we need God to empower us to do it. Forgiveness isn't a suggestion for good living. It's a command for true life. It's what Jesus says. Here's life for you. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Not just a good idea. Do it if you want. No, you need this. In order to be able to forgive as God forgave us, we will have to accept God's forgiveness. So if you're, you're listening to this message today and you realize I have no ability or grace to forgive what was done to me, then I wonder, are, are you willing to accept God's forgiveness today? Are you willing to recount your own sin against God and come to Jesus and say, you paid the price for me on the cross. I give it all to you. I receive your forgiveness. Something about that grace and the change in your life will give you grace to give forgiveness away. All right. You guys have any other words before I conclude? Why don't you come up and see what else God's saying and then I'll conclude and we'll pray for each other. First, I wanted just to... You got to talk on that thing. I want to affirm Randy's word because I've had problems forgiving because I didn't release that person from my personal judgment. And I feel you really brought that out. So thank you, thank you. We need those tools to get free. And so thank you for all you just said. Uh, during early morning worship, uh, the Lord impressed on me that he wanted excellence. He wants excellence in our worship. He wants excellence in our relationships. So I was asking him, well, what do I do about that? And the words, um, well, break off compromise, break off unbelief, break off half-heartedness. I feel those are things that Hold us back. So if there's compromise in the church, I break it off in the name of Jesus. We want the fullness of the Lord. We want the fullness of the Spirit. Nothing half-baked because the Lord is excellent. Excellent is his name, and he deserves the best because he's given us his best. So that's the word. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you.
and I'm going to consolidate two words. One, Audra saw a beautiful picture during worship of a fence, like a chain link fence. A chain. Thank you. Sorry. And, but there were flowers growing on it. And as the symbolism is basically, as we forgive, what held us turns into a life-giving source and doesn't hold us back anymore. And then Sarah has a word of a knowledge, and then she'll be up here to pray with people. But she saw a person tethered and, you know, to another person. And they want to be free, but they're just stuck to that person. But the key to being free is the forgiveness, to cut yourself loose loose through the forgiveness and be free. So if that resonates with anybody, Sarah will be up here to pray with you with ministry team. Thanks. Let's stand. One other resource we have uh, at the at the vineyard here, which I'm so thankful for, is a ministry called Sozo. Um, saved, healed, delivered is what the word means in Greek. And it's an opportunity for anyone in the church to sit with a person and to um, see what the Lord's saying to them about freedom in their lives. Forgiveness is a big part of that. So if you're interested in, in a ministry like that, you want to sit with someone for an hour or so and, and um, help... Let them help you facilitate a conversation with God to bring freedom. I'd encourage you to do that. That's sozo, S-O-Z-O, sozo at indievineyard.org. Sozo at indievineyard.org. Available to every single person in the church. There's no cost for it. What Jesus did came to us free. This freedom is free. Um, if, if that's a little scary for you to send an email to a, the ether, <laughs> um, come and talk to me and I'll introduce you to someone who is a part of that ministry. If I could ask the ministry team to come forward, um, we will want to pray for some people this morning. So come on forward and gather up here. Maybe God's brought someone to your mind this morning that you realize you need to forgive. Hey, maybe God's said to you this morning, you've sinned against someone and you need to go to them and reconcile. If someone, if God's brought someone to your mind this morning that you need to forgive, your invitation this morning is this, freedom. Freedom. Freedom is knocking on the door right now. It's not easy to open that door, but God will give you grace to, to forgive. Give up your right to bear the grudge. Give up your right to demand payment, to hold on to bitterness. Let's be honest, it's killing you. It's killing us. Unforgiveness keeps us locked in the cage of bitterness and allows the enemy to torture us over and over with the same memory. Step out of the cage this morning. Let us forgive as we've been forgiven. God, we ask you now for grace, for freedom, for faith, for anointing, for power to choose forgiveness. We cannot do it on our own, God. We need your grace. For all here this morning who have received grace and forgiveness, release of a debt that was unpayable, we ask God you give us grace to do the same for others, to walk in the way of Jesus. And we pray in his name, amen. If you want to talk to someone this morning, have someone pray for you as you deal with those forgiveness issues or any other thing in your life, a physical healing issue, emotional, that word from Sarah or any others, I encourage you come forward and let somebody pray for you. Take the courageous step to walk forward 
and go to God with someone else. Pray that you go in peace to love and serve Jesus and live in his forgiveness and grace this week. Amen.